Hello and welcome to MonarchCast. We are back. Yay! Sooner than I think we intended. I think a little sooner. Um, I was listening to our last episode today just to figure out where we left off on the gossip last time and I realized it's only been a little over a month. And you said um, we weren't coming back till like summer. <laughs> yeah, well here's the thing. I think we could all use a little distraction these days. Everyone is consuming media like crazy. So we thought... Let's give you more. We'd come back. Yeah, (laughs) we'll give give you more content. Um, So yeah, we're back. But we thought we would do something fun and lighthearted because there's not a lot fun and lighthearted going on in the world right now. Um, You know, for posterity, I'll say it. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And I'm laughing only because I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. It's one of the most surreal things ever, I think. I didn't think at the beginning of the year this would be where we would be at the end of March, but here we are. I mean, you said our last episode was like a month ago, and that doesn't sound remotely right. (laughs) March felt a lot like a black hole. I mean, I just like can't believe that it's still March and that it was March. It's been March forever. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like April's going to feel the same. It definitely is. So in the interest of lightening the mood, we are going to do a little series. I don't know how many episodes we're going to do. We're just going to do them until, until we, we run get out bored, of I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, we thought we'd just do some royal scandals and strange tales and all the, all the crazy stuff that might not fit in a particular biography, but, um, we just thought it'd be fun to just focus on stuff like that. If you're out there and you're struggling and you want to listen to something lighthearted, we hope that this is it. We will cover a lot of gossip. We will just cover all the silly stuff um, because I think we all need it right now. If you are out there and you are a healthcare professional or you work at a grocery store or you are working at the post office or you are one of these essential employees, I just want to take this opportunity and say thank you very much. Yes. Um... Likely, if that's what you're doing, you're not having the time to listen to this, but um, I second that as well. It's these people, you can't say it enough. These people are are heroes and we are going to take this opportunity and tell stories about, you know, real things that happen and they're not all silly, but we are focusing just FYI on the past because we also wanted to kind of take an escape from current events. Um, yes, we won't be covering Andrew's royal scandal, so no, we came here for I mean, that. We are going to touch a little bit on royal gossip because there is a bit to touch on right now, but mostly we're doing the royal gossip of yesterday. So before we jump in, I do just want to do one quick clarification from our last episode, which was on Edward II, and you had asked me about Roger Mortimer and whether he was of the Mortimer family Ah. that was related to the York branch. Yes, he was. So Anne de Mortimer is the woman who married the York heir. And she is descended from Roger Mortimer. So Roger Mortimer was the first Earl of March. And I can't remember which number they were at, but the York heir, when the Mortimer and the York branches combined, was known as the Earl of March. Um, I'm not quite clear how he got that title because when Roger Mortimer was arrested by Edward III, his title and lands were seized by the crown. He must have given it back at some point. I don't know. Anyway, 
but he is her ancestor. And you might be wondering how that's possible. Well, he was married the whole time he was taking up with Isabella. He had a wife. They had several children. She was alive the entire time. So that poor lady. Hmm. But no one ever talks about the discarded wife. No, the women don't usually get much mention. So Yeah, I just I was like, wait, how did he have descendants? And I go to his Wikipedia page and I was like, Oh, he's married and he had several kids. Well Mortimer's like not that common of a name, so that's why I was asking, because especially Mortimer in a position in like a high position in society, I was like, these have to be the same people. Yeah, so I believe she and Mortimer was his great-great-granddaughter, I think, somewhere in there, a few generations down. And as we mentioned in the episode on Edward III and when we talked about the creation of the great dukedoms in England, um, her line with the York line did merge, and that's why the York claim was so powerful. Okay. Um, Yeah, so that's that. Should we jump into gossip? Because it's only been a month, but a lot has happened. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. I want to start a little bit related to where we left off last time. And it's, the answer is yes, I really feel sorry for Princess Beatrice. Oh. Her wedding has been postponed yet again um, because of this coronavirus. So it sounds like they're just going to do a really small private family wedding. Although, you know, that's going to depend on when they have the clearance to even do that. Um, Because obviously she's not going to be exposing her... 90 plus year old grandmother to a family gathering um you mean exposing the queen to prince charles who has coronavirus (laughs) yes yes so um that was another one of my gossip items so we can throw that in there um charles has tested positive for coronavirus he's not the only royal in europe to have done so i read the other day that there was a spanish princess who was 86 years old she was the cousin of the current King Philippe, Felipe, who, um, she died of coronavirus. Um, so I think the big thing about this virus is that it, it doesn't, uh, discriminate based on your social class or whether or not you have a crown on your head. Um, if anything, I'd say you're probably at a higher risk because like Charles meets so many people in an average week. I mean, it's like they said, they did have to come out and say he did not catch it from Prince Albert of Monaco, who also has tested positive. Um, But, you know, how many people do you think he met at the event where he probably contracted it? No. And how many people did he spread it to? I mean, that's just, you'll never know. And it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I don't want to make light of this situation and I don't want to blame anyone, but, you know, these rules are in place for a reason. Well, here's the thing about that. I just do want to mention the the rules are not the same in every country. So Great Britain has, first of all, they were a lot like the U.S. They were very slow to take it seriously. Um, you know, for better or for worse, the Prime Minister of England has a lot in common with the President of the United States. Um, he also has coronavirus. Yes, Boris. That's Boris Johnson, not President Trump. President Trump is a germaphobe, so that's working in his favor at the moment. Um, but they were really slow. I mean, I, I I follow a few British people on Instagram, and they were making comments like, "Oh, it's been a week of social distancing," whereas we've officially been doing it in the U.S. for two weeks. So they were a bit slower behind. They also. 
So the I was also reading, and I don't know if this is a U.S. thing because they're just telling everybody 14 days, but if you test positive and you're symptomatic, they tell you to self-isolate for seven days. So Charles is already out of isolation. Hmm. But I guess if you haven't shown symptoms but you've been exposed, then they tell you 14 days. Because it can make still sure you be are, sort of manifesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Camilla is apparently still quarantining. So anyway, yes. So poor Beatrice has had to postpone her wedding yet again. Um, before all of, so let's talk about before all of this blew up because that's what everybody's talking about. But before the coronavirus hit and became the only news item anywhere, um, the Sussexes made their last visit to England. I don't think last visit ever, obviously, but it was their last visit as senior royals. So they've famously been camped out in Canada for months. And um, tomorrow is the official exit date. It's the last day that they'll be considered senior royals. And so they came to the United Kingdom in February for a visit. They did several appearances. Was it March? God, okay. I can't even remember if it was February I think it or March was when they came. Early March. Okay. And then they did a bunch of events they did a bunch of events. Um I think what was notable about that was that they were very clearly not coordinating their PR with anyone else in the royal family. So there was a bit of there were a couple instances where someone in the royal family like Charles or Camilla would be doing an event and then you'd see something hit the Sussex Instagram that would you know, eclipse everything, um, because Harry and Meghan continue to be very popular, and, you know, we're sort of a, maybe a preview of, like, them just sort of saying, oh, we're, we're done, we're out on our own, we're not coordinating any of this, um, so that was interesting to see all the breathless commentary about that, um, it did sort of seem as though they were, it was a bit of a farewell tour, yeah, and I think um, the media treated them that way a little bit, you know. Um, like you said, it was breathless, and it was, you know, uh, you know, they had that very infamous shot in the rain, their their movie star mm-hmm, shot, mm-hmm. Um, which is a great photo. But um, I think, you know, we also saw a bit of a looser appearance from them as well. You know, Megan wore a lot of color. She she wore color on her lips. Like, you know, it's just like she wasn't adhering to this sort of rigid expectations that she clearly was suffering under before. And we saw them kind of let loose a little bit on their farewell. Um, yeah, I think it was a success. And, you know, it's um, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them after tomorrow. So let's talk about that a little bit. So they have posted to their Instagram that they are no longer going to be using that. Remains to be seen what their next Instagram handle is. I thought that was kind of interesting that they didn't just change the name. I would guess that there's some kind of... I think it's probably two things. One, there's probably a sense of ownership of the royal family over any content created in the name of the royal family. So created as the Sussex Royal umbrella is going to fall under the royal fold. And I I think that that is fair. I mean, all of that was done in the name of service to the crown, right? Um, my cynical thought about that as well is they don't want to change the name only to have to change it back. 
because I think yeah. by leaving Sussex Royal as is, basically they're just not posting to it anymore, but it will still exist and you can still view the history. Remember that this change that they're they're doing is going to be reassessed at some point. And so I think pragmatically they're also leaving the door open if that assessment goes in a direction of the Sussexes coming back into the royal fold in some way that they've already got the infrastructure in place. Yeah, that's, that's the cynical side of me. That's a really good point. I think there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of setting things up for the future as they envision it and setting up a little bit of a safety net should they need to fall back on it. One thing that's interesting is that they, I don't really understand why this has received so much coverage, but they are currently, it was announced in People magazine that they um, have relocated now to LA and they are no longer in Canada. Number one, I didn't think that that was as big of a deal for two reasons. One, they neither of them have any legal right to stay in Canada indefinitely. Um, and it was made very clear from the beginning that they wouldn't receive any special treatment. And Megan is from L.A. And we have a massive pandemic going on. And it kind of makes sense that you'd want to be closer to your mother. Although I suspect that was put in motion prior to all of this. Um, but, you know, I think if you're going to be setting up some kind of nonprofit um, organization, you need to be close to wealthy donors. And Megan is sort of dipping her toes back into the show business side of things. So it kind of makes sense to be in LA. Um, I totally agree. And I also think it's a great thing to point out that she is from there. And so, yes, there are probably business reasons um, they want to be in that area. But I think if you're going to set up a home base, you know, Harry's home base didn't work out. Why not try hers? And hers happens to be Los Angeles. Yeah. So that made sense to me. I don't really have any opinions on that. What I think is interesting about all of this, though, is... I think it was clear, and it, you know, you can kind of see this in hindsight too. Is it wasn't like Harry was ever going to walk away from the royal family and stay in England. I don't think I'm not even sure that'd be logistically possible because people might say, "Well, he's around. Why doesn't he just pitch in?" You know, he's here. It's almost like you have to put that geographical distance between yourself and Buckingham Palace to make the split somewhat legitimate. I don't know. I just had that thought. Um, the other piece I wanted to talk about, and this is gossipy, and I just was really curious at your take at all of this, but they did have several events while they were um, in England, and I think the one that got the biggest press was the um, Commonwealth Day service. Mm. So that's like a church service to celebrate Commonwealth Day and the Commonwealth. And so there was a lot of brouhaha over this because it's very ceremonial. And so, you know, the queen processes into Westminster Abbey with Charles ahead of her because they all go in order of precedence, least to greatest. And so originally, I guess the programs were sent out that showed William and Kate, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, 
processing in, followed by Charles and Camilla, and then followed by the Queen. Notably, Harry and Meghan were not on that program. Depending on which story you subscribe to, um, either... Oh, and so there was a last-minute change. Um, William and Kate did not end up processing in with Charles and the Queen. So there's two stories. One is that Harry and Meghan were so put out and pissed off that they were not included because technically they're still senior royals that to quiet the storm, William and Kate selflessly agreed not to do it. And so none of them did it. Or it was the idea that this is Commonwealth Day. You're celebrating the diversity of the Commonwealth. Maybe it doesn't look so good for your only diverse member who is about to leave senior royal status not be included in the procession. I, I am going to go out on a limb and say my favorite thing ever, which I say this all the time, is that there's two sides to every story and the truth is always in the middle. I'm going to guess it was a little of column A and a little of column B. But I was curious what you thought. I... You know, it's so fun trying to talk about these stories and pretend we know these people and we know their personalities and we know how they would react to things, and we don't. We really don't at all. And all we know is what's been, quote, leaked. And, you know, that's a whole other thing of who's doing the leaking and why and what purpose does that serve and whom does that serve. Um, I would agree. I, I have a hard time believing that Harry and Meghan would have thrown a fit about that given that I think mentally they appear to already be kind of checked out and moved on. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I also have a hard time believing that the royal family would be self-aware enough to see the issue on the diversity side of things. Right, absolutely. But I also think that maybe they raise the question of, aren't we supposed to be, what are they, like vice president or something of the Commonwealth or something? Like, they still technically were holding roles. So I could see them raising the question of, like, I know we're on our way out, but we do still hold these roles we'd like to represent, be represented for the, the Commonwealth. Um, yeah, I don't know that they probably pitched a fit about that. I think probably asking the question about inclusion is enough for some people to dub them as having thrown a fit over it. Um I also don't get the sense that William and Kate need to be self-sacrificing to remove themselves. I don't, where I have trouble, and again, I don't know these people. I don't really know what they're like or how they view their own roles, but I've never really gotten the sense that they're all that attached to the ceremony of this stuff. Like, the queen is the only one who really seems to care about it. I don't think um, that they're attached to the ceremony, but I 100% believe Charles, William, and Harry are all very hung up on their own place in the pecking order and their own importance. And I'm not that I'm not saying that as like a mark on their personality because I'm not sure that that's necessarily something that would be fair. Because if you think about it from their perspective, you're raised you're raised in a pecking order. Yeah. It's just I mean, it's drilled true. into you're you from the time you're born. If you're told your whole life that there's a pecking order and you adhere to it, you know, then it becomes this thing that's important to you. It's like any yes. job, right, where you find yourself yeah. having to, like, 
do weird petty things that you wouldn't normally want to do because it like you, your own success depends on it. You know, things hierarchy doesn't bring out the best in people. No, and so I have no problem believing that Harry would be upset. But I also have no problem believing that, as you say, it was a very matter-of-fact conversation. I have no problem believing that any one of these people could have had an issue with it. It could have been William saying, I'm not walking by my brother. Because what's very clear, so where I was leading with this is that the, um, so Harry and Meghan came in separately and took their seats. And then um, William and Kate came in and took their seats. And there was very little interaction between them. And it was noticeable because Edward and Sophie were there. And everybody was interacting with Edward and Sophie. But... Like, oh, thank God, someone I can talk to. Yeah, yeah. But there was very little interaction, certainly between the two brothers. And there was almost none between the two women. Um, I, like, look, there was, like, a video going around on Twitter saying, oh, my gosh, Kate completely ignored Megan. I would imagine she probably gave her a nod or a quick smile. Um, but yes, she did not reach over and say, hi, how are you? Haven't seen you in months. Hope Canada is great. You know, that obviously wasn't going to happen anyway. I mean, you know, the one thing about Kate and William we talk about all the time is they're incredibly reserved in public. Like Kate, nobody has any idea what her actual personality is like. And I think that that's on purpose. So I don't think you were going to see any kind of big reunion in the church. And honestly, you know, I was thinking about this from Kate's perspective, she might be upset by all of this and not be too happy with them. I think there's a lot of hurt feelings on all sides here. And I think because people talk about, you know, oh, the royal family is so dysfunctional, but there's still a family and there's still probably a lot of hurt feelings. There are. And I also think from Kate's perspective, I, I would find her justified because can you imagine no and you don't have to imagine we know what she went through she went through almost a decade of going through the paces putting up with the public humiliation the tabloids said awful things about her William barely ever defended her in the press she put up with all of it and when they got married she towed the line you know like she had bad press written about her and her outfits and her makeup and her hair and everything and 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 I don't want to I don't want to do apples to apples here because she was not subject to the racist coverage that Megan was. That is true. Right. But she was not glowingly reported on until there was someone to compare her to, right? Fairly or unfairly. But she just got on with it and did it. And right. I think I could imagine for her having come in, set the standard, put up with all of it, and realize this is the job, this is what comes with it, this is what I signed up for and just done it, you know, to see someone come in and then say, I'm not going to put up with it and I'm going to say that this isn't right. It's like, you know, I could see her being frustrated that Megan came in and just didn't suck it up, right? Now, what they were subjected to was very different. I also think having an outsider's perspective, Megan coming in and saying, you know what, like, you guys might think you put up with this and, you know, you're going to do it, but, like, there can be another way. And right. I think both of those attitudes are correct and fine, and I think it's probably a personal choice and, like, a personal 
level that you can deal with. And also, again, I want to say Kate did not have to deal with what Megan had to deal with. Um, right. And, but and I can know, see Kate's her being also married to the one. Kate's also married to the brother who can't walk away. Right. And so, like you say, she sucked up a lot, but that's, you know. I also think that there is a, a thing to be said that none of these people, Kate included, have grown up or lived in circles that are very diverse. And so they do have a huge blind spot. And, mm-hmm. you know, Harry probably had one as well. And, you know, Megan probably did do a bit of education. Um, and I think they're just not really good at recognizing the difference in her situation. Right. right. But that doesn't mean that any hurt feelings on their sides aren't also allowed. You know, I just I think, think my all, point all that feelings I'm, are allowed. Yeah. My point that I'm trying to get at is it's very clear that there are a lot of hurt feelings and yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out in the future because, um, you know, by all accounts, Harry has always wanted to be less shackled and now he gets his chance and you know, that, that life is going to look, you know, the grass is always greener until you get there. And, you know, he might, he might realize it's, it's got its own drawbacks and, you know. I mean, the press can still say whatever they want about them. So that part's not going to change as much as they think it will. So. Right. Um, And, um, I don't know. I think, I think there's going to be less for, for the foreseeable future. I think that they're going to have a very positive reception and everybody's going to want to work with them, but they're going to have to face the reality of hustle whereas I don't think in the royal family you have to hustle at all you just get to be important because you're royal um not to say he's you know I I think this is also semantics and splitting hairs Harry is of course still royal but he's no longer allegedly going to be trading on that royal status so we talked about this before like what is the draw if you're just Harry and Meghan and now's the time where they're going to have to capitalize that on build on that so I, I think it's really interesting you know it, um, it's semantics though they're still gonna draw on it everybody's gonna know that they used to be royal and that's still right. gonna have a cachet so right. it's to say that they're not capitalizing on being royal is never going to be true and never unfortunately I mean it's like from birth Harry is always going to have been this person and Megan has married this person and like nobody would be talking to either one of them if they weren't trading on the, the circumstances of his birth. So right. that's never going to be untrue. Um, I'm just I, saying it's a fine line to walk, and I'm really curious. I want, I'm want i fascinated by how they walk it because yeah. it is Well, I think, line. weirdly, this is a great segue oh, to good. talk about a royal who used to be in a similar position, you know, um, not not destined for the throne, very popular, you know, written about in the press and decided she had her own attitudes about how she wanted to comport herself. Uh, Obviously, her ending was a little bit different (laughs) Um, because she's still a senior member of the royal family. And of course, I'm talking about Queen Elizabeth's only daughter, Princess Anne. Oh, this is exciting because we've not really ever talked about her. We haven't. And I wanted to bring her up because... um, you know, I think especially if anyone watches The Crown, she and Charles both featured more prominently in this last season. They have not reached the point in the timeline 
to what I'm going to talk about today, but I really hope they cover it at some point. But um, I thought in the spirit of this gossip, like yesterday's scandals or interesting events that we could start with Anne, who has not gotten a lot of attention from us and who I think is actually a very fascinating member of this family. As I said, Anne is Elizabeth's only daughter. She also has kind of forged her own path in the royal family. You know, she, um, a few years ago, I think, won the distinction of being the royal who completed the most public engagements. She does quite a lot on behalf of her mother. She's very busy. Um, And she is known as the Princess Royal, but she has sort of also eschewed royalty and her own royal status in a big way, particularly for her children and in her and for her two husbands as well. And so I think she's really interesting to talk about as someone who certainly takes advantage of her place and her birth, but also does it with, I think, a bit of a a grain of salt. Like she is aware of, I think, the silliness of what they do and tries to use it to to help others. And I say all of this as we get into this story, because what's important to realize is that 40 years ago, Princess Anne was perhaps on the level of popularity as Harry and Meghan. She was very well regarded in the press. She had just gotten married and she had married a commoner. And, you know, she was the popular royal of the day. You know, she, do you know that um, she, in 1971, she was named by the BBC as the sports personality of the year for England. Oh, is that because she was um, a big equestrian? She was a big equestrian. And in 1972, um, or sorry, in 19, I think in 1972 or 1971, she actually medaled in the European championships. And then in 1976, she actually competed at the Olympics. That's pretty cool. So It is pretty cool. And I think it also speaks to her towing this royal line while also kind of forging her own path. And her first husband, Mark Phillips, is someone that was also an Olympic Olympic equestrian. And um, they met in their horse circles, um, as it were. She actually met him before Andrew Parker Bowles, who was her first public boyfriend, um, future husband of Camilla Shand, currently Camilla, Duchess of Cornwall. So these people like to keep it tight. (laughs) In the same circle. Or incestuous. (laughs) Incestuous, whatever you want to say. Um, But at the time we're talking about is 1974. um, Actually, March 20th, 1974. So about, what is that, 36 years ago? Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, No. No, 46 years ago. Yeah. 46 years ago. Okay. Um, I figured exactly I, right. I want to tell you how I know that because the other day I read something that said Mariah Carey was 50 and I was trying to realize, trying to think back what her year was. And so I realized it's been 50 years since 1970. So that's how I knew it was more than 36. Anyway, side note, okay. I just, this is how I'm spending my time these days. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So in 1974, um, in March of 1974, Princess Anne had been married for four months. So, and her wedding was covered breathlessly in the media, you know, it was a big to-do about what we would expect from having seen um, William and Kate's wedding and Harry and Meghan's as well. Um, And like I said, she married a commoner, she married a captain in the army, but he also was this um, Olympic equestrian. 
And he did not take a royal title. You know, any commoner marrying into the royal family is can be granted the title of Earl. He, he declined, and therefore their children do not have royal titles as well. I think we've talked a little bit about that in the past. But this is the very beginning of their, of their marriage, and Anne, of course, is performing royal duties at the time. They are on their way home towards Buckingham Palace after attending a charity film screening. Um, it's around 8 p.m. Anne is in a Rolls Royce with her husband, her lady-in-waiting, her bodyguard, and the driver. And they're coming down the mall, which is runs between um, Trafalgar Square and Buckingham Palace in London, just a long stretch of road. And there's a white Ford Escort that overtakes them on the road and then stops. And so they have to stop to deal with this obstruction in their path. And the driver assumes, well, this guy's probably just an angry driver. I'll get out and deal with him. So the driver gets out of the car. Or, no, sorry, the driver stays in the car. Her bodyguard gets out of the car and steps out to confront him and ask, hey, what's going on? Now, I want to preface that this story is bloodier than I thought it was. <laughs> um, Anne, Anne escapes un- unscathed, um, but quite a few men get shot. Um, oh, there's guns involved? There are guns involved. There are two pistols involved. So her, her bodyguard steps out of the car and... From six feet away, this man who gets out of the the Ford Escort has two pistols and he shoots the bodyguard in the right shoulder. Oh no! So like immediately, is okay? someone is someone is shot in the shoulder. Okay. 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 So obviously, the target we can assume is Princess Anne. This is the goal of this man. They find out later is to kidnap Princess Anne, ransom her for three million dollars, and. There's like all these plans that he had of like getting Queen Elizabeth to like pay the ransom and and all of this. Now I, I bring this up at the top because none of this happened. Like, but can I? Can we take a side note here? Sure. So I don't know how it is in Great Britain. I assume it's similar to the United States where they're like we don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, whatever. Do you think the royal family would pay a ransom? I think they would. I think they might, but I'll. Or do tell you think you, they'd send MI six in like with James Bond to just go get her? Yeah. I don't know. I will say, given the way clarify that the situation, I, know Bond is not a I don't real know if person. they'll ever have to find out. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question, uh, what, how they would handle that. Um, they do have, so their security is actually like a special branch of Scotland Yard. I mean, I'm sure they go through training on this all the time. And I, I think it would be, I think a lot would have to go wrong for a successful kidnapping attempt. That's true. Yeah. Okay, so her bodyguard has been has been shot, and and he's the only one that's accompanying them. But this is pretty standard, you know. When they go out to these smaller engagements, they're trying to keep it small, low profile. You know, they don't need an army around them. So this man who had confronted them on the mall is named Ian Ball, and he is twenty six years old. He's a, men- a victim of mental illness. Like at this point, I think he's already been treated for it. And his his motives, he types this ransom note and he's criticizing the royal family and he's basically claiming that he's doing this on behalf of, you know, the people for justice. He shoots, he shoots the officer, he approaches the car and then he goes to the door behind the driver's seat where Anne is sitting. Um, this is on the right side of the car because we're in England and he starts trying to open the door. Um, and he's, he's yelling, he's like, open or I'll shoot. And Anne and her husband are, you know, holding the door shut. Her lady in waiting, like, 
She's like, uh-uh. And she crawls out of the other side of the car, <laughs> basically abandons them. She's like, I'm um, not dying kn- for this bitch. <laughs> right. Like, maybe they told her to leave. I don't know. Because obviously, it's obvious to everyone, like, Anne is the target. And Anne is, like, not having this. Like, she is like, excuse me, no. Um, so her security officer jumps back in the limo. He places himself between the couple and this man who's trying to open the car door. So Ian Ball then shoots his pistol into the car where they're oh all God. in the back seat at this point. His hand deflects the bullet, and then he gets shot a third time. So her security officer has now taken three bullets. Um, oh, my God. Her, yeah. I'm telling you, Claire, this was way bloodier than I thought. I was, like, reading this story, and I was like, what? <laughs> so then the chauffeur, the driver, decides, okay, he's going to get out of the car and confront the gunman. So then he gets shot in the chest, and he falls back into the car. This is so the then, driver? This is the driver. So now the security officer and the driver have both been shot. So then Ball opens the back door of the car and he grabs Anne's forearm. And like her husband is like holding on to her waist and he's like trying to keep her in the car. And the the assailant is trying to pull her out of the car. And he's like, please, please, like you've got to come. And Anne is like, apparently very famously was like bloody likely. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's like, I'm not getting out of the car. So, like, later she told them, she's like, I kept saying I didn't want to get out of the car, and I was not getting out of that car. Like, Anne very famously, like, kept a very cool head throughout this whole thing. Like, she was just like, I am not going anywhere with you. So they're obviously making a huge commotion. There's bullets that have been fired. There's two stopped cars on the mall. So the police are alerted, and they start to advance. There's an officer patrolling nearby. He hears the struggle and he assumes it's a car accident. So he comes and he approaches the shooter who immediately turns and shoots him in the stomach. So this is three people now that have been shot by this man. Oh my God. So, but the officer, even though he's been shot in the stomach, he maintains enough presence of mind to radio his station for backup. So then, of course, there are other people driving down the mall. So one man who um, sees this happening stops, pulls over, and he approaches on foot, and he's like, hey, this man needs some some doing with. Like, he's assuming there's, like, some kind of, like, carjacking or something taking place. This man is a former boxer. He's like, I'm going to go go deal with this situation. And then another motorist also stops. So we have two motorists that are on the scene now trying to help. Um, and they're trying to distract Ian Ball and, like, see if they can can stop him. Where um, are the police? Well, one on of the, the mall? First, the police officer that did show up has already been shot, and he's on the ground. And then others are obviously on the way, but they're not there yet. But, like, well, we're talking about the mall. We're talking about that stretch in front yeah. of... But it's 8 p.m., like, okay. it's dark, right. maybe it's not that busy. Um, oh, I always envision this as happening, like, in the middle of the day. No, this was at night. Okay. Yeah. So then a Daily Mail journalist shows up (laughs) because he recognizes the car because there's royal insignia on the limo. So he knows a a member of the royal family is involved in this and clearly in danger. So he comes on the scene and he tells Ball, he says, hey, man, like, don't be silly. Like, put the gun down. Now, I should also mention this is England. Gun ownership is, like, not a thing. Like... Unless you're like two pistols? He had two pistols. Yeah. Mm. So Ball shoots him. (laughs) So he's now bleeding out onto the pavement as well. 
Um, so at this point, Ball turns back to Princess Anne, and the boxer, the first guy to stop, like approaches him from behind and punches Ball in the back of his head. So he's obviously clearly distracted during this moment, and Anne takes her opportunity and pushes herself out of the opposite side of the car. And she said later, she's like, if I thought if I was out of the car that maybe he would move and like get away from all these other people that he's been just shooting indiscriminately. Mm. And she's right because she's his goal. So as soon as she's out, she's out of the car, he follows her and he tries to come around the side of the car towards where she is. And then so Anne jumps back in the car and her husband is still in the car at this point. What's then he doing? He's like obviously terrified and trying to figure out what's going on. And I would imagine that this is all going down very, very quickly. Right, right. Yeah. And then this boxer, Ronald Russell, he then punches Ball in the face. So he's now already punched him in the back of the head and he's punching him in the face. And this is a 6'4 former boxer. This probably had to hurt and probably was distracting. Um, and now more police officers are on the scene. So once these police officers arrive, Anne notices that this guy is like really nervous. Like this clearly has not gone to plan. He doesn't really know what to do. And she tells them like, go ahead. Like, now's your chance. Like, you can go away. And so he takes off running. So another officer who's arrived on the scene takes chase, throws his coat over the guy's head and tackles him to the ground and arrests him. So they, they basically contain the scene. Like, you know, they arrest the guy, but like, Anne is like the one person who has maintained a cool head through all of this. And she's like distracted him enough to get him away from the car and to a point where the police can actually deal with him. So all of the press after the fact, right, is like Princess Anne foils kidnapping attempt and like Princess Anne, like, you know, royal kidnap plot. And and it's it sounds so, so crazy, but like, it's true. She kind of foiled her own kidnapping attempt. Now, when I heard that story for the first time, I thought, oh, and like someone tried to kidnap her and she was like, nah, nah, and like kept going. I didn't know about the three people who got shot. Yeah, I always just kind of pictured her as like beating the person off with her handbag. Like, right, because that's the image you get is like, like especially because like that bloody likely, like if she's just like doesn't have the time to deal with this like peasant who's like trying to kidnap her. That's not quite how it went down. And, of course, all of these men got some sort of commendation from the British government. And I thought a really sweet note was, like, when Queen Elizabeth is, like, giving out these honors, you know, she's like, um, the medal is from the Queen of England, the thank you is from Anne's mother. <laughs> it's kind of cute. That's um, cute. But, yeah, I mean, like, basically, like, the next day, like, Anne and her husband, like, woke up and just, like, went on with their life as usual. <laughs> as you do. As you do. As you do. One gets on. Kidnapped. <laughs> yeah. So I, um, I'm sure I told that in a haphazard way, but I, I wanted to just tell you this story. And, you know, I, I know that you knew, like, she had had an attempt on her life, but, like, isn't that just like the craziest thing? Like I just like did not, ex I started reading this and I, by the way, Smithsonian Magazine and The Sun both have full recaps of this attempt because I think a few years ago it was like the 40th anniversary and some it magazines It has a 40th ran. anniversary? Like it's that big of an event? 
Well, I think it was just happened to be the 40th anniversary. <laughs> and so there were some pieces written about it. And then I think the guy, the boxer who received a medal also was like trying to sell them. <laughs> so wow. that's why the Sun wrote an article because they were like, how dare he try to sell his medals? So I had heard about this, but like, honestly, like once I started reading about bullets and gunshots, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good story. I think, I think this is exactly what we need to be doing right now totally I mean like this you know this is like the the scandal and like I don't even know if calling this a scandal is the right thing but like this is the like wild news of you know 1974 (laughs) it makes sense to me I'm just like trying to imagine if like something like that happened in present day like the coverage would be like breathless for like weeks yeah yeah well I think if it was present day, there'd be just more paparazzi, more like there'd probably be just more people around. Absolutely. I mean, that I think you're right. Like, that's the part that's kind of crazy is like this idea that two cars are stopped on the mall and there must have been cars going by. You know, it's like if you're not paying attention, you don't it's not like you're going to like notice that like a carjacking is happening, which is essentially what this was. No, I'd like to think I would notice. Well, if it's 8 p.m. and dark you know true true yeah but well, I just that think was it's so it's so funny like there's you know the people in the car and then gradually more people keep coming and like they they each successfully or successively fail at helping with the situation you even have like a journalist on the scene and like all of this and it's like the princess who's like okay you can go run that way now and she's just basically like misdirecting him <laughs> <laughs> she's smart enough to do that It's actually kind of impressive that she was smart enough to know what to do. Well, you know, I was thinking about this because she is the only one who seems to have maintained a calm head. Now, not other than her security officer, who clearly maintained presence of mind and also did his job. I mean, he deflected three bullets at this point. Um, Bullets that could have hit either her or her husband. Um, But, you know... She definitely had training to deal with this. And so I yeah. don't think it's that surprising that she kept a presence of mind. But I just love this idea of like her her demeanor throughout all of this. From what I've seen of her in public or seen in interviews or read, I'm like, you know, she she definitely did it in her very Princess Anne way. Like she did it true to form, followed the protocols, you know, kept her head. And then at the end of the day was like, eh. <laughs> and life goes on. <laughs> Wow. You know, it's kind of like I think she has this attitude of like, I'm royal, life goes on. Wow. That was a great story. Yeah. I mean, like I told you, I not not much there to the story, short one, but I think really fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think we're going to do a few more of these, definitely. If anyone out there has a story that you'd like us to cover, let us know because this is, like you said, you know, meant to be a little bit more lighthearted. So it could be... Just, like, um, I think something we're thinking of are maybe some, like, really renowned stories of, like, maybe, like, a mistress here or there. Or, like, um, I think I was going to talk about, I'm pretty sure one of the uncles of Queen Victoria wasn't eligible for the throne because he married an actress. So I thought I was we would talk about that. And, you know, just things like that. Just, like, fun things that we might not normally cover. Um, I'm regretting that we've already covered the affair of the necklace with Marie Antoinette because that would be perfect for this kind of story. So things like that. Yeah. 
Uh, we may talk about Charles and Camilla and their their beginnings, but I think we might, out of respect, wait a little while. <laughs> Just to make sure everybody's in the clear. Yeah. Um, because, you know, this family has had their share of um, fun, fun press, I'll say, euphemistically, I think. Um, I do also want to talk about the time Andrew convinced everybody to go on a game show. Oh, we talked about that a little bit. But... A little bit, but I think we could do it again <laughs> yeah maybe we could do like a play-by-play yeah i wonder so, if that's Anne also did go on a game show she was the first first royal to do so i wonder if that's on youtube all right well we'll be back next time with our next story tbd yep and in the meantime stay healthy stay safe and stay positive wash your hands wash your hands all right talk to you next time bye Monarchast is produced by me, Allie, and me, Claire, and our logo is by Ryan Cooney. If you like our episodes and want to give us a shout out, please rate or review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your preferred method of podcast listening is. We really appreciate it.